For those of you that may be new with us, that was Rocky Mount Baptist Church 2014. The events that the Lord allowed us to uh, to do for His glory and uh, and the new people uh, that the Lord provided in this past year. And uh, man, I'm just so excited about today. And what we're going to do is we're just going to give the Lord glory. We're going to have kind of Thanksgiving Day, the first Sunday in the new year. And man, what awesome things God has done this last year. You know, and I, and I think about that and um, all that God has done. And I think about Romans, uh, if you have your, your Bibles, go with us to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to be in verses 26 through 30. But there's this key phrase uh, that really, really stands out in verse 29 to where it speaks about, and those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. And here's the key phrase, to be conformed to the image of his son. Man, that means before any of us ever had a plan to follow God, he had a plan to seek us out. And we think about the history of Rocky Mount Baptist Church and, and the years and, and the ups and the downs and God has allowed everything to happen for such a time as this. And the, the driving thought, if you have your outline, go, go along with us. It's basically this. This is what we're going to drive for the, in this text. Because God never leaves a job unfinished, believers can always look forward to greater things. That means that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, no matter your family drama, no matter what you have experienced in your life, you know that there is a better day coming. And even if your life ends really bad here, this is not all that there is. And even in the times when it doesn't seem that God is working or that if he's working, he's not doing a good job. Have you ever, you ever kind of had that thought? Like God, if, if this is your plan, then I've got another one if you want to take a look at it. Right? It, it doesn't seem like God is working. And I think about us in projects. For some of you students and you're writing that paper, right? You're, you're, you're writing that paper, you know, on something really interesting about on the 19th century European economics in the lower peninsula of, of Italy, right? Whoop, whoop. And then, and then others, you know, you're like, well, I'm, I'm writing a paper, you know, on what I really think happened on the moonshine conspiracy in the wettest county in the world. And you're working and you're working and you're changing sentences around and substituting different words. And even still, for those of us that have to write papers, even if they were small, we we come to that point where the paper's finished. But if your friend says, well, let me take a look at your paper, we're usually like, no, 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 no. It's good. Or if we do, we're like, it's really not very good. Because we know that there could still be things done. And I saw a video on the internet uh, the other day. I know that all y'all, you just read your Bibles all the time. You never watch YouTube. Um, but I saw this video and it was just this little piece of, of, of glass. This guy had a blowtorch and, and he made this, this seahorse and he was pulling at it with these pinchers and it looked like just a piece of nothing that in just a few moments he brought to be a beautiful creation. And what the Bible is going to teach us this morning is that God has always been at work on us, whether we believe it or not. And the cool thing is, is that regardless if you're here today and you say, man, Jeff, I'm ready to serve God. I'm ready to plug in. Like those people helping out, like Willie who has a spiritual gift of pushing snow with a four-wheeler, amen, right? Like, and you got these people helping out laying cable up in the attic. Come on, guys. It was awesome. And see people helping out with the kids at vacation Bible school. Like, that's me. I want to be plugged into that. That's something that I want to do for Jesus. 
Then there's some of us and we kind of come, we don't, we don't do this, but we do it in our heart. We cross those arms and say, go ahead and try to prove it, preacher. Go ahead and try to get me to believe. And we've got this wall of hold back to follow God. God's in the work, at work among us, regardless of where we are with Him. And what we want to do this morning is just give praise to Jesus. We're going to look at it, what this text says, and then we're going to look at what God's done in our church individually and see where we go uh, from here. So let's go to a Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. If you're new with us at Rocky Mount Baptist Church, we believe in what's called uh, expository preaching. It's a big word, but it simply means that the Bible has the answers. Uh, the preacher doesn't. So when we teach on Sunday morning, whether it's me or someone else, what we do is we read our passage and then we try to go through it verse by verse, break it down word by word, because we don't want to take the Bible out of context. We don't want to treat the Bible like some conversations that we walk into and it seems really weird and awkward but it's because we didn't hear what came before it got it, got it. all right and uh, and by the way good job on y'all survivors you're here you've survived the great plague of 2014 and 2015 i mean everybody's sick and there's always that one person they don't care they're going to be here they're going to hug on you they're going to love on you and for you we pray for you all right so verse 26 uh, in romans chapter 8 and we'll begin to read the word of god Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts, that's God, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know... That for those who love God, help me out church, some things are, all things work together for good for those who have been called to his purpose. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called and those whom he called he also justified and those whom he justified he also glorified this passage tells us that if we are followers of christ we have something greater to look forward to notice what we're going to do here we're going to look at the ways that god helps us how he continues to work in us notice first of all there in verse number 26 it's speaking about this God helps our inability to express ourselves to him. Notice what the verse says. It says that we, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Have you ever been there? It's that situation and you say, Lord, I know that you're needed in this situation. I know that you're the one who needs to come and make peace, but I really don't know what to pray for. I mean, I think they're crazy. But how do you pray for crazy? And and, and we come to the point of of saying, okay, well, what is our weakness? Notice what, what the text says again. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. In context, the Bible's saying our weakness is that we really don't know what to pray for. We really don't know how to pray. It means that when we come to the point of issues in our lives, sometimes we pray for what is the symptom and not the cause. For example, we all know this, right? That cough drops don't actually treat the problem of the cough. There's a few people like, dude. 
Oh, right? Like the, the cough suppressant, the cough drops treats the symptoms. It helps you be around other people without being annoying and coughing and, and spreading it. But the issue is what is making me cough. Right? And sometimes we, we pray about this. We say, Lord, would you please help me with my addiction? Would you help me with, with this issue over here? But the Bible time and time again goes to the heart. You see, when we pray, we say, God, would you change my child's heart? Would you change my husband's heart, my wife's heart? Right now, they're okay with me following you, but they really don't need to. They don't think that they need to. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit teaches us to pray. And not only that, he's the one who does it for us. Notice how awesome this is. It's almost an awkward phrase if you were to read this and just leave it. It says, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Okay, time out. I don't know if I've ever been to a regular prayer meeting to where there has been groaning forward slash praying. So what is the Bible talking about? It's talking about, and this is such a beautiful picture, that when we have pain, when we have weaknesses, when we have disappointed ourselves, when we feel we have disappointed God, when we have just made a mess of our family, and we know that it needs to be prayed for, but we don't have the words, it means that the Holy Spirit knows what is inside, and He is able to express that. Because sometimes when you have things that happen that are so deep and that are so painful, words don't cut it, do they? And we, we could, we could, you know, read Shakespeare and get all these long adjectives and qualifiers, but if we were to put our pain into words and our desire to be changed into words, it really doesn't do it justice. And that's why if you've been with some people that have lost a child or someone who has lost a wife or a husband or there's been some tragedy, And they believe in the Lord. They trust in Him. But there's not really a prayer that they're articulating. They're just groaning and they're crying out. What it means is that God knows. You know, sometimes we expect our spouse to know everything about us, to know us perfectly. And sometimes we say this. My mom or my dad, they don't understand me. Right? Like students, right? Like they don't understand why it would be totally cool to let you take mom and dad's minivan out with your friends until 4 a.m., right? Like to Roanoke. Like, why don't they, why don't they understand me? Here's the thing. No person will fully understand us. In marriage, in friendship, in work, but the fact that God made us and He knows us, it means that He is the one who's able to pray through us and pray with us. And boy, you think about true prayer. I mean, not, not, not the little, you know, Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you for this donut, although Krispy Kreme, Roanoke, come on, can I get a witness? Thank you, Lord. And all these coming, my goodness, Jesus' return is around the corner. And, and you, you're not, not, not just thanking Him for the, these things, but I mean, I mean, we're talking about intercession. That's what it says that the Holy Spirit does for us. To intercede means to come in between. It means to advocate the cause for. It means that if we got in trouble and we were there before Judge Rice or Judge Alexander and we didn't have an attorney, things would not go well. 
And I know we watch the movies about the one guy who argues his case, but if you do that, you end up in prison, right? We just, we don't know the legal system. But man, to have a top dog, I mean, five star lawyer come in, and when the, when the prosecution is trying to go at you, the attorney says, that's my client, and the attorney speaks for you. That is what Jesus does for us. Isn't that good news? That he's the one who does that. Here's the thing. He comes when we get saved. For those of you that are new believers, Jesus doesn't just come and save you and then say, all right, you got saved when you're 25. I'm going to allow you to live to 95. And then when you get to 95, I'm going to take you to heaven. Don't worry about the years in between. Man, that is false Christianity. Amen, church? Jesus saves us so that we can have joy in this life, so that we can do things for him that are awesome that we would never want to do if he didn't come in our heart and change it to begin with. So that when we go to heaven, that's what we've wanted. That's where we wanted to be the whole time. Not because heaven is a cool place. We're talking about Disney World and Sunday. By the way, every time I'm able to go to Sunday school and I don't teach a membership class, it is awesome. Right, Fred? I mean, those of you that are members of Rock and Baptist Church, you know, go, go, try it out. It's awesome. We were talking about cool places to, I mean, we didn't talk about, like, the, the lesson was not on Disney World, all right? Just just so you know. We were talking about places that, that you go, and man, we, heaven is not just a place that we go because there's no more sickness and pain. But we wouldn't be in heaven because that's where Jesus is. And that's where the people that love the things that we love are going to be. You think about prayer. And how exhausting it can be. In fact, if you want a biblical description of what prayer is is like, make a note in your Bibles and later go read Ephesians chapter 6 where it describes armor that you put on. Like brutal, bloody, smell the sweat, see the dirt, see the blood fly, flesh on flesh, sword on neck, blood and guts warfare. That's the way the Bible describes prayer. Prayer is not something that's nice. You ever hear people say this in church? It kills me. Well, so-and-so prayed, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, and, and they prayed a beautiful prayer. It was just so beautiful. I mean, it was so beautiful, I just want to put it in a vase, right? And put it on Pinterest. Here's beautiful prayers that you can go look. All you big biker guys, right, when you get on Pinterest. And... Prayer is something that's real and something that's raw, something that is from the heart, something that gets messy, you think about how exhausting some physical labor can be. I mean, when you work a back-breaking job and you get home and you just, I, I just want to lay down on the floor. Then you think about how exhausting emotional. Think of the teachers that are giving out emotion like all the day long and trying to, to teach students and correct students and, and keep your sanity. And then, then you go a little bit above and beyond that and you get into me, the mental strain and beyond that. But then you get to prayer. I mean, it blows away swimming and boxing and mixed martial arts and doing triathlons and, and Black Friday shopping and, and weights and hand-to-hand combat. And I mean, all of these things. Prayer is something that can sometimes be so difficult because we say, Jesus, you saved me, but I, I don't even know how to pray. When I come, I have so much in my heart. The Bible tells us that he helps our inability to express ourselves. With groans that cannot be uttered. Meaning that they're too deep 
for words. And not only that, but he also, notice in verse 27, God helps us because he intercedes for us according to the most benevolent plan in all the universe. Notice what the text says. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. Here we go. According to the will of God. We mentioned earlier, we say, man, for those of you that are single, right? They always say you're single for a season or single for a reason. So either one. You say, I want to find someone that I can spend my life with. Be careful because the culture tells us that we should find our soulmate and that person will correct every problem that we have. That's simply not true. God is the only one who can do that. And some of us have become disillusioned in our lives with relationships or even friendships, family relationships, because we're looking to those people for what only God can give. But it says that here in this text that God searches our hearts. Let me give you a verse on that. Proverbs 17.3 says, The crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold and the Lord tests hearts. You think about something that's been created and I think of you know a sports car, a Dodge Viper or something like that. If you have one of those vehicles and something goes wrong, if you talk to the person who actually designed the vehicle, they can tell you what's wrong. You know the reason why so many of us wallow in our own stuff time and time and time and time again. We'll go to friends. We'll go to books. Even even books that are written by people who may love the Lord, but we don't go to Jesus. The Bible tells us right here that God is the one who intercedes for us. And actually in that same chapter, Romans chapter 8, let's go over to verse 34 and it uses the same phrase. Notice what it says. It says, who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. That means, this is so cool, that those of us that may struggle with guilt, that may struggle over what happened in the past, it means that Jesus is the one who's interceding for us. That if we have been saved and we've been forgiven and cleansed, it means that every time we make a mistake, it's Jesus who's pleading our cause. Aren't you glad? Because see, here's the thing. Some of us want to run to, well, I did this thing that I'm ashamed of, but look at what I did last week that's really good. The gospel blows all of that away. And it says that we could never do anything totally good. It's kind of like if you fell into a big pool full of, I mean, used motor oil. And you get out and you're going to make a cake. Right, guys? The wife says, you're not coming in the house. It will spray you. In other words, there has to be a cleansing before we can do something that's of worth to God. To God in His glory. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says, Consequently, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him. Since, this is so awesome, He always lives to make intercession for them. That means today. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever past issues, you come to Jesus and He sets you free. You say, now hold on Jeff, that almost sounds like snake oil because it seems so easy. The gospel is not easy because I think the most difficult thing that we could ever do is surrender our pride. To say, you know what, I can't do that. Boy, especially for us guys, isn't that a hard one? To say I can't, I I can't do that and give our life to Jesus Christ. And notice what it says that he's doing all of these things in our life for, for the will of God. According to the will of God. You say, well, Jeff, what is the will of God? Let's go to the next verse. Notice verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, 
All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Notice that this, this does not include hell. Can we all agree hell is not a good place? Right? Like we don't want to go to hell. Four people don't want to go to hell. Awesome. I've got my work cut out for me, Fred. Notice this verse. Because we throw this, we throw this around. Bumper stickers and t-shirts, it says in verse 28. And we know this is the word for like full, complete, saturated, like no for sure knowledge. Like no. We got it? Like to really know. That for those who love God, all things work together for good. That means that if you don't love God, and a lot of people say, oh yeah, I love God. I've got all of these little idols. I mean, they might, may, might not be statues of Hindu gods and goddesses, but I've got all these, uh, these idols in my life. It's, it's my own health. It's, uh, it's vacations. It's money. It's all of these things. And Jesus is one among those. You know, God the Father, like, I love God. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Straight up. Talking to one guy not too long ago and just not walking with the Lord at all. He said, man, I'm good. I still got it in my heart. Well, Jesus says, if you have it in your heart, it's going to manifest itself through the actions. Right? But what God does in our lives when he changes our hearts is he begins to work all things together for good. So here's the thing. All of this is how awesome God is. God not only uses what his son Jesus has done. But he actually uses all of the dumb things that we've done before we knew Jesus. Because it says all things work together for good. And for those of you that have a long, sordid, dirty past, let me give you a statement from Oswald Chambers. He says, let the past rest, but let it rest in the sweet embrace of Christ. The past happened. It was real. That is who and what we used to be, but no longer because of what Jesus has come to do in our lives. When it says in verse 28, look, look, look at it again, that we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. It means that outside of God, outside of having him first in everything, you know, sometimes we get confused and we say, well, it's God and then my family and then my work and so forth and so on. But why don't we just put God first in everything that we do? Right? And it kind of goes like this. For families, it means, guys, that we should, as God gives us strength, lay down our lives and for our wives and for our children. And that doesn't necessarily mean popping in the last magazine and holding off the enemy, because that's probably not going to happen, even for those of you that believe in the zombie apocalypse. All right? It's a show. But it means self-sacrifice in the little things. It means, ladies... That you respect and you love and you honor your husband so that he feels like he is king of the world because you respect him. Because that's what guys need. And women need that affection. And it means children. And, and, and this is a thing, even if your parents are still living and you're like, you know, you're, you're, you have kids. You come to the place where you say, man, I want to I honor my parents because God gets glory from that. The point is that outside of God, there is no life. Outside of God, there is death. There is no point outside of God. There is no purpose outside of God. It means that you can be the most fit person, the most financially stable person. But outside of God being first place in your life, the end result is not good. The end result is hell. But guess what Jesus does? 
He uses all of our sin, all of our mistakes, all of our baggage to show us that we have need of him. And notice how it begins in verse 29. And by the way, we're about to get into some theological issues that often uh, really mess with people in church. The issue of uh, predestination, of God choosing and human responsibility, or some people use the word free will. Let me just give a word on this. Regardless of where we fall in that spectrum, regardless of how much credence we give to God's choice or to human response, we all should be sharing the gospel. And if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, but you hole up in your library and you don't share the gospel because you're of either position, that's not something that God would bless. And it may be possible, and this is just just a postulate here, it may be possible that we won't fully be able to understand God. I see a few smiles. You think it'd be possible that there are certain things in God's word that God reveals to give us the big picture, but we can't totally figure every single aspect of theology out? That's called humility. And regardless of our theological positions, we have to come to the text with humility. So in other words, if you're new to church, this is kind of a little thing for church people. If you're the type of person and you've got your issue, whether you're an Arminian or you're a Calvinist or you're a pre-tribulationist or all of these terms, and you kind of have that, figuratively speaking, on the front of your Bible and a chip on your sleeve, you are not following Jesus. You're following your own pride. And regardless of where we fall on any of these spectrums, we have to act in humility. Amen? All right, so let's unpack these terms. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew. Now notice the word foreknow here in this passage is before the word predestined. To foreknow means to know what's going to happen beforehand. To predestine means that God is active in what's happening before it actually happens. It means that God plans it and God is involved in it. Notice here, what has God planned for us? He foreknew, so you don't have an issue of God playing puppets. God is not the author of evil. God is not to blame for the things that we do. But when you have the words foreknow and predestined together, they work together. Notice it says to be predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That means that everything that has happened in your life, God can use to point you to Jesus to be more like him. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So what this means is that God had plans for us long before we ever had plans to follow him. And the word here for conform the root word is morphe. And if you can bear with me for a moment, that sad epic in children's television called the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. God help us. Right? The 90s were rough times, I know. But the word morph is a Greek word which means to change. And this is so cool when you look at it in the original language. Because it doesn't have to do with an outward conformity. Some people think that in order to follow Jesus, in order to come to church, you have to dress a certain way. Listen, if we really want to be biblical, this may step on some toes. If we really want to be biblical, guys, let's wear the garbs next week. Let's gird up our loins, to use the biblical expression. Seriously, let's all straight up wear beards and let's come on donkeys. Kenny, we can do it together, all right? Like, it, it, it would just be something if we really want to be biblical. If we really want to be biblical, let's dress the way. And people get that confused. That's not what conformity is talking about. It's not talking about being a cookie cutter. 
It's not talking about losing individuality. What it's speaking of when you see this word morphe and it's combined with another word, it literally means inward change according to icon. That's the word for image, which is where we get English word. It's an icon. In order that God changes us inwardly to be more like Jesus. And when we are more like Jesus inwardly, we act more like Jesus outwardly, don't we? And here's something that I forgot to mention at the beginning of the message. Do you realize that all of this is God? Did you see anywhere in this passage to where it says, all right, here's some resolutions I want you to do. I want you to... No. This is God's plan for those who follow Him. In order that we might be more like Him. Here's what the scholar N.T. Wright says. He says, once we understand the original good news, the news about something that happened in the events concerning Jesus, we also understand that the good news about the future cannot be about leaving earth and just going to heaven. It must have something to do with heaven and earth coming together, something to do with creation itself being renewed and restored. In this past year, my heart is just overflowing with thankfulness about what the Lord allowed us to see in Rocky Mount Baptist Church. I mean, we were able to do men's outreach through softball again this year. And thank you guys who led that team. We actually won some games. It's always awesome when you see like Rocky Mount Baptist Church versus the Mudslingers. Rocky Mount Baptist Church versus the Moonshiners. It's just, it's awesome because we're able to be out there in the county league and sharing the gospel. We had a, a spring picnic. We were able to invite people to come and to eat food because, and we talked about gluttony this morning in Sunday school, but we, we had a spring picnic and we invited people and they were able to come and we were going to play softball, but people were still in the field and, and none of y'all said, well, we've got police officers in our church, right? Like you didn't do that. So I'm proud of you. And then God led us to do our first ever men's ministry event. It was a skeet shoot intended as a skeet shoot. Ending up like World War III. And it was destructive. And we liked it, right? And guys were able to hear the gospel there. Uh, in our youth, y'all remember the mission trip this past summer that th- those of you who were in the church, you gave so that they would be able to go? And not only were our students able to do ministry to some kids there in Richmond, but some of our students came back saved. And they were baptized for the glory of Jesus here. And I remember that last night when the preacher just did an amazing job and we had some of our students that got saved and and we was a long drive back and they said, well, can we go get some ice cream and, you know, kill joy, Pastor Jeff, we got to get back, right? And then it was just like right then we heard this noise and this ice cream truck comes around the corner. And that's like God saying, I choose you to have ice cream, right? Regardless of what your pastor says. And so our students were able to do ministry and, and have heart change as well. And then I think about Vacation Bible School. I don't remember the exact number, but it was more children than we've ever had in, in the history. And now, this is crazy. This is crazy. We had an adults class. Some of you are like, is that legal to have adults VBS? Like, and it was packed out. Adults coming uh, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night to learn the deeper truths of God's word. And able to see those kids and, and hearing God's word and give so that we could do missions. It was awesome. And we would get them sugared up and fired up and then turn them loose. <laughs> and so many parents are like, once you have kids, you're trying to hold on to your kids. You'll change your ways, Pastor Jeff. You'll change your ways. 
And we just think of all that God did through that and how Jesus says, if we become like a little child, we can enter the kingdom of heaven. Then we did fair outreach at the first Franklin County Fair and in many years, and we were able to give out gospel tracts and candy and water. And there was one person who will not be named like chasing people with candy and Jesus stuff. I mean, it was just like, if you went by Rocky Mount Baptist, it was like, I got him sight locked in. It's like, go, 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 go. I mean, tracking people down at the Franklin County Fair. Then we had a harvest festival. Uh, where you, I mean, it was awesome. We were able to be over at Becky's farm and, and invite people so that they can come and have neutral ground and interact with people who know Jesus. And then praise the Lord, we were able to have the, the inmates from the Franklin County Jail here and, and feed them food, uh, awesome food. And some of these guys are like, we're inmates. Why would you? Because Jesus loves you. And they were able to hear the gospel. In Operation Christmas Child, over 6,000 boxes. We didn't ask for this. They called us. This whole wing over to my right, your left, was filled with boxes. And some of y'all, you came after work. I mean, y'all working like a long day. And you came afterwards to load up boxes. And and, and it's just something that those 6,000 plus boxes are going to go around the world. They already did. To little kids in third world countries who would not be able to have a Christmas. We were talking to Sue the other day, Lee and I were, and she was talking about one of these girls that received just a small little thing of toothpaste, and her and her friends in this impoverished third world neighborhood would come, and they would each get just a tiny little piece of that toothpaste to brush their teeth. And I'm like, man, I got like five pounds of toothpaste at my house. Because of what God did through you, we were able to bring the gospel. And then the cantata, there were no pictures actually taken during the cantata, because when your face is getting rocked off, you forget to pull out your iPhone. And people were brought to hear the gospel sung. And we went through our records. And in this past year, we had 55 people come and connect and join up with Rocky Mount Baptist Church. People coming, saying, I need to be saved. People saying, I've been out of fellowship. I've been out of church. And some people saying, this is where God would have us to serve. You know, when we look at these verses, there was the trip that we were not able to make, the trip to India. But I just think about this passage. Notice once again in verse 30. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. You know what? Everything that we do for Jesus, it's for him. And we want to do it on his timetable. And I want to encourage you, this is our final uh, thing that we can extract from this text, is that Jesus always finishes what he starts. And he never leaves the job Unfinished. When you see the word predestined here, it should make us think of before we ever had a plan to follow Jesus, he had a plan to come get us. And not only that, he called us. That's when we heard the gospel. And when he called us and we heard the gospel, he justified us when we got saved. And glorification in the Bible, it means when it all is completed. And it means that God puts us on his team. To complete his purpose. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says. And I am sure of this. That he who began a good work in you. Will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. There's an old children's song that goes like this. He's still working on me. To make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars. The sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. Because he's still working on me.